Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm thrilled that you're tuned in today. Well, this morning, Justin's in the studio with me. Hey, Justin. (laughs) And we're also going to be interviewing Chuck Edwards, an apologist that has written a phenomenal chapter in a book that's coming out right this weekend on the reason of Christianity and the lack of it in atheism. It's an incredible book that I had the privilege of reading. We'll hear more about that in a minute. But as we begin, you've probably recognized that the title God's Solution is a bit of a spin-off or a response to Dawkins's God Delusion. The God Delusion is Dawkins's attempt at a refutation of God. And in case you didn't know, Dawkins is probably the most famous atheist alive. So this is where we find his most famous quote in The God Delusion. He writes, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. He's jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully, I think Dawkins needs to do more than throw a thesaurus at a straw man. I recently sarcastically responded to that in my review of True Reason, saying the so-called reason of the new atheists is arguably the most spurious acumen in all philosophy. Brash and proud of it, faulty, groundless, unreasonable, specious, deceptive, and deluding, deriving from an intolerant, theophobic, incoherent, unscrupulous, perilous, calamitous, condescending, obtuse, insensitive, lubriciously sinister, atheistic worldview. Now, it's kind of funny, and it's obviously sarcastic, but I think it brings up a point that you have to do more than just call names, and reason is so important when we consider questions like the existence of God, and like the plausibility of Christian faith. And it's important for us to engage in these discussions with true reason, hence the title of this wonderful new book that our guest today was one of the authors of. Now, in this book, Chuck Edwards specifically deals with Dawkins's lack of logic, which I kind of brought up just a minute ago. And today he's going to be on the show describing Dawkins's lack of logic in more detail. So I'm excited to have him, and I know that you're going to get a ton out of this show. Well, anyway, as we start, I wanted to intro Chuck a little bit. Several years ago, I was debating a group of atheists here on this campus, and about an hour before the debate, I called Summit Ministries and said, is there anybody that could possibly help me prepare a little bit more for this debate? And they said, Wow, way to call us last minute, Nate. And they said, you better call this one guy, Chuck. Here's his cell phone number. So I surprised Chuck halfway across the country with this last-minute plea for help, and he spent the hour before the debate helping me prepare for the debate. Well, the debate turned out well. One of the atheists renounced his atheism the next day, and the atheists, four debates later, ceased to exist as a group. They broke apart as a group. And there hasn't been an atheist group on this campus since. So, Chuck, thank you for being a part of that success. Uh, My pleasure, Nate. And thanks for having me on your show today. You bet. I was going to say welcome to the God Solution Show, and thank you so much for joining us. Again, my pleasure. Look forward to our, our conversation. So Chuck Edwards is a speaker, researcher, and special projects coordinator with Ratio Christi. 
and he is an apologist that's been helping college students and others do exactly what I just described a minute ago for many years. He's a contributing author of True Reason, Confronting the Irrationality of the New Atheism, a revised edition of the original work, which was published in 2012. It's available as of March 1st. He wrote Chapter 4 in that book, titled Richard Dawkins's Illusions. So, Chuck, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm excited to talk about Richard Dawkins's illusions. And as we get started, I would encourage our listeners to write down this title, True Reason, and to find it on Amazon and to buy it. It's a great book. I enjoyed it. So did Justin, and I hope you'll check it out. Well, as we get started, Chuck, how did this book, True Reason, come to be written, and what is its purpose? Well, uh, True Reason came about about uh, two and a half years ago when some of us started seeing uh, promotions for an atheist rally that was being held in Washington, D.C. And the name of this particular rally was the Reason Rally. And we had been reading in some of their books and publications that they were claiming to be the, the party of reason and that religion in general and Christianity in particular was was kind of an anti-religious uh, uh, movement, of, and religion itself was kind of just based on blind faith. There was nothing reasonable about it. And so they were claiming the, the reason high ground. And so, uh, hence, they, they named their rally the Reason Rally to promote this nationwide. And we felt like that there needed to be a response to that because uh, the people that were attending that rally did not have any any balanced perspective, or they needed to hear the other side of the story. And uh, you might recall there's a, a proverb that says, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes along and examines him. So we felt like this claim of, of being the party of reason needed to be examined more carefully. And uh, we were, uh, and I, I say we, it was a group of folks that were involved with uh, Campus Crusade and with uh, other apologetic organizations and, and then with Ratio Christi, the organization I'm involved with. And so we just started pulling this together and, and came up with this book idea. And specifically, we had a, a kind of an e-version of the book and, and put it in, printed as a pamphlet to take with us as many of Christian students attended that rally in D.C., to interact with the atheists who had gathered and share with them uh, some of the, again, the other side of the story of how Christianity is very reasonable and, and has been historically. So that was the reason that uh, we put all this together. So uh, we, the, the book is divided into three sections. Uh, one is on atheism and reason, and, and this is where we critique atheism itself and the people that are involved in the new atheist movement, such as Richard Dawkins and, and others. And what we wanted to do was to show that uh, the, the, the main movers and shakers in, in this so-called new atheism, and by the way, there have always been atheists, but the reason their movement is called the new atheist is because they have a, almost an evangelistic fervor about them. They are much more aggressive at seeking to, to change society and change people's minds. The, the old-style atheists were, were a little more let live and let live. Uh, you know, they would, you know, have their reasons for not believing in God, and they would write about it and things like that. But they, 
they weren't being, uh, you know, trying to push it on people. But the, the new atheists, again, are, are really pushing their agenda in a more significant way across the country. So anyway, uh, and there are a, a half dozen or so authors that are, are very prominent at speaking on university campuses and writing books and that kind of thing. And uh, about five or six years ago, uh, four or five books were published within a year and a half that were really vitriolic and, and putting down religion in very uncompromising terms. So we wanted to show that these main movers and shakers of the new atheism, uh, who claimed to have the intellectual high ground of reason, were not being very reasonable and logical in constructing their arguments against theism. So the first part of the book, five chapters, deals with many of these uh, people and, and their writings. And that's why I wrote the, the chapter on Richard Dawkins, to show that in his own works, uh, not, he not only is not a champion of reason, but he is, is very sloppy in his reasoning skills. And then the uh, second part of the book talks about Christianity and reason, because the, the conception is that's put out there that many people believe is that Christianity is not a reasonable faith. Again, it's just kind of a, a blind belief. But nothing could be further from the truth. It's uh, very much based on reason, and there have been... Christian scholars for 2,000 years that have been the, the highest intellectuals in society throughout the years, and that's, that's always been the case. So Christianity has always been a, a knowledge-based uh, religion. And then the third division, the third section, deals with the, uh, Christianity's reasonability, and when we talk about reasonability, we're looking at how uh, responding to some of the specific charges against Christianity, uh, for example, that Christianity supports slavery. And we just know that it, it actually doesn't, not in the way we use the term slavery today, as, as in uh, like uh, the black slave trade of the 1800s, for example, or that the God of the Old Testament endorses genocide. And so we show that these are really unreasonable claims that people direct toward the Bible. So that's... Uh, pretty much the book. It's about 300 pages, but each chapter is, is fairly short, uh, maybe 10 to 15 pages, and it's really accessible for uh, the average person, whether a, a student in high school, college, or an adult. Uh, one or two chapters are a little more technical, but again, it's, it's accessible. It's not a, anything uh, you know, highly academic or philosophical. We, we want it to be available to a broad audience. Awesome. So how does the chapter that you wrote, which you called Richard Dawkins' Illusions, how does that fit into the overall purpose? Well, again, like I mentioned, we want to address Richard Dawkins because he's such a, a prominent person in the New Atheist Movement. Uh, he held the first chair for the public understanding of science at the University of Oxford, and he has his own foundation called the Foundation for Reason and Science. So you see, again, that term reason in there. And uh, he's been an author of numerous best-selling books, primarily in the area of science, and his area is in that of biology and biological evolution. But in more recent years, uh, particularly in 2006, uh, his best-selling book was called The God Delusion, as you mentioned earlier. It was uh, on the New York Times bestseller list for 51 weeks, and it sold over 2 million copies. And, and in this book, again, he claims that intellectual high ground of logic and science and reason. 
And uh, in his book, he directs a very frontal attack on religion, and he calls uh, religion a delusion. He says it's a persistent false belief held in the face of strong contradictory evidence. And so he's calling Christians specifically delusional. He's not just saying that we're wrong. He's saying we're mentally ill. This is a very strong claim. And he also claims that uh, that atheism is is the only way to really understand life. And, and he, as I mentioned, is evangelistic. And uh, on page five, he says, if this book, The God Delusion, works as I intend, religious readers who open it will be atheists when they put it down. So he's claiming to be able to have very solid reasons to be an atheist. Well, these two things, attacking religion as he does, calling it delusional, saying that we don't have a leg to stand on as theists, and then saying that atheism is the only rational position to take as a a worldview. Uh, These two claims need to be addressed, and that's what I do uh, in this chapter. Wonderful. Well, in Contending with Christianity's Critics, which I've mentioned several times on the show before and encouraged the listeners to buy and read, Dr. William Lane Craig explains some of the poor reasoning in Dawkins' book, saying that his premises, even if they are valid, don't lead to the conclusion that God almost certainly does not exist. And that's quite easy to see for anyone, regardless of their philosophical training. It shows some of the poor logic that Dawkins uses in that Hallmark book. It is not the intellectuals of the world that made that book a bestseller. So after reading Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, what did you conclude? Well, I concluded the same thing. Uh, Basically that Richard Dawkins does not reason very well. And, you know, when we talk about reason, we just need to understand what we're talking about here for just a moment. when we say reason, of course, all of us are reasoning people, and we can be, you know, we talk about, oh, be reasonable if you're talking to a friend or something like that. But when we talk about reason in this sense, we're talking about the the capacity or the skill for making sense of things, applying the rules of logic, and how to establish and verify facts in a, in a logical, consistent manner. So you might uh, think of reason as, a, as playing a sport like basketball. In, in a sport like basketball, you have, on the one hand, certain skills that need to be developed, like shooting and dribbling, but also there are rules to play by. And reason is like that in the sense that there, there are certain skills to be developed, the rules and, uh, to follow, like the rules of logic. And if you don't do these things well, then you're not considered a, a good in the area of reason. Just like in basketball, if you can't shoot or dribble, someone might say, well, you're not very good at playing basketball. Now, if you tell someone that they're not good at playing basketball, you're not being mean to them. That's just the nature of the case. That's just the facts as they stand. So when we take Richard Dawkins to task here, we're, we're not trying to be mean to him or call him names. We're just saying, look, you're not dribbling very well here. Uh, You dribble off your foot. Uh, You're breaking the rules. You're knocking guys' arms when they try to shoot. So that's a foul. So we're just pointing out the the obvious things that are apparent to anyone if they understand 
how to reason well. So that's uh, what we're trying to do. And so I, I'm just saying that Richard Dawkins displays a, a lack of reasoning skills, and he makes reasoning blunders. So what are some examples of Dawkins' faulty reasoning? Well, we can jump right in. Uh, in his uh, book on Chapter 2, for example, uh, that's where, uh, Nate, you, you, wrote that, you read that, that long sentence about uh, the God of the Old Testament, he, and where Dawkins says, quote, that God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character of all fiction. Then he goes through all these different uh, qualifiers. You should read that again, just so our audience really embraces <laughs> the, the, the okay. wonderful logic behind that quote. <laughs> okay, here's Dawkins' <laughs> quote. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, felicital, pestilential, megalomaniacal, capriciously malevolent bully. <laughs> there you have it. Anyway, the, the point here is, let, let's think of it, maybe an illustration will help. Let's say that uh, you're watching a, a prize fight, and, and a, a heavyweight boxer comes out at the starting bell, takes off both gloves, and starts punching his opponent below the belt. You would go, hey, you can't do that. That's, that's not right. Well, in this opening statement that Dawkins makes, that's basically what he's doing. He's taking a below-the-belt swipe specifically at God as revealed in the Bible. Now, the thing about this is that there, there are two logical fallacies that are involved here. It's, it's like he's, uh, again, this is a foul, would be comparable to a foul in basketball. And the first fallacy that he commits here is called poisoning the well. Dawkins makes this comment just as an assertion. He doesn't back it up. But these are, are such in, incredible comments that it's aimed at, at causing people to be repulsed by the God of the Bible. And so anyone listening to that and they think, wow, God is a, a mean bully. I wouldn't want to follow a God like that. And so he's poisoning the well, which is just a rhetorical ploy used to, in place of having a reasoned argument, and its intent is to bias the reader emotionally against the other person's position. So that's what Dawkins is doing here. He's, he's producing this strong gut reaction uh, that would cause people to emotionally just turn away from God. So from the get-go, he's not using a, a reasoned argument. He's just hitting below the belt. It's like uh, you're having a disagreement with someone, and, and they suddenly say, well, you're ugly and your mom addresses you funny. <laughs> Well, I mean, you may be ugly, but that doesn't have anything to do with what you're disagreeing about. You know, let's talk about the issues. But, but then second, uh, this opening statement is considered a classic straw man argument. Now, a straw man argument is where uh, someone builds a, a false uh, idea about his opponent's views. And he takes that false idea or, or maybe a weak form of the other person's views, and then he knocks that down. Like a straw, a man made of straw is easily knocked over. He's a lightweight. 
So he makes a lightweight version of the other person's view. And so in a debate, for example, you have two views, two opposing sides of the issue. And it's not being fair with the other person's view. And so that's what Dawkins is doing here. It's a, he's mischaracterizing what Christians believe. And so uh, an, an example of that is, is actually found during the, the early Christian era, 2,000 years ago, uh, the early Christians were just getting started and starting to have an influence uh, throughout society. And, and some of those who were not Christians accused the Christians of being cannibals and because they had the Lord's Supper. Now, Christians will tell you that, that they're not being cannibalistic when they have the Lord's Supper, but that's how they were characterized. They were mischaracterized in that way. So, so again, it's, it's a, a wrong understanding of what's taking place. So this idea of a straw man argument has been around for centuries. So uh, that's just one example, this, this opening salvo that he has. But another example is later in his book in Chapter 7, and this is where he uh, says, uh, quote, he demonstrates that we, as a matter of fact, don't get our morals from Scripture, end quote. And the purpose of this chapter is to show that uh, you don't have to, to be a Christian or believe in God to have morals. And so he's going to now delve into the Bible to show that we don't get our morals from Scripture. Well, then he talks about an example in Judges chapter 19 through 21, where a man is a, uh, allowed his concubine to be raped and murdered and then cut her to pieces and sent them to the 12 tribes of Israel as a rallying cry to battle. And he writes, quote, Let's charitably put it down again to the ubiquitous weirdness of the Bible, end quote. So he's trying to make a case. Again, Dawkins is claims to be using reason to make a case that in this situation, uh, the Bible is not being moral. Well, we need to evaluate that. And he says this is, the, the, the Bible is just being weird here. Well, one, one critic of Dawkins countered, well, why put it down to the weirdness of the Bible? Why not put it down to the weirdness of people? <laughs> Which is actually the, the case in point. You see here, Dawkins fails in the very first step of understanding and interpreting any piece of literature. And that is, he doesn't understand the genre that he's reading. And he doesn't distinguish between what the Bible says and what it means. In, in other words, he's, he doesn't understand at all what he's reading here, and he's taking it completely out of its original context. And that, that's because... This uh, event is recorded in the Bible, but it's not teaching us that this is a moral principle that we should follow. It's just some incident that happened, you know, with this, this man and in this particular situation. It's, it's not a moral principle that's taught that, that we should follow. And so Dawkins apparently not only kind of misunderstands what's happening here, but he never reads even the rest of the story. Because later in this book of Judges that he takes us from, toward the end, we see that the book, the entire book is summed up in this way. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Or another translation says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, end quote. 
So in other words, the, the people that are being written about in the book of Ju- Judges are not moral examples for us. They're immoral examples. It's showing how people do the wrong thing when they don't follow God. And so Dawkins' comment and the point he's trying to make is, is not supported at all in the example that he uses. So again, that's building a straw man. He's mischaracterizing the Bible and then saying, hey, look, you know, you Christians believe this. But no Christians have ever taken that passage and says, oh, this is a moral principle for us. So he fails to understand those issues. And, and one other aside, this is not only true of Richard Dawkins, but of almost all the, the new atheists that I've read. They, they totally downplay or ignore all the positive things that uh, Christianity and, and the Bible in particular uh, has contributed to society over the years. If you like the idea of individual liberty, thank the Bible for that. If, if you like the idea of freeing slaves, thank Christianity, because it was Christians that were in the forefront of eradicating the slave trade on both sides of the Atlantic. Now, I, knew, I know here in the United States it took a bloody civil war to resolve that issue ultimately. But Christians have always been on the forefront. And we can go back and look at quotes throughout the history in the 13, 14, 1500s, even going back that far, of Christian leaders denouncing chattel slavery. So, again, we can go on on but. The new atheists ignore the positive contributions, and, and they only point out uh, some of the, the negative aspects in Christian history. And so his poor reasoning skills comes in, in those ways. That's exactly right, Chuck. And I, too, as I've read various of these new atheist authors, have come to the same conclusion. You just don't see a whole lot of logic. It's a lot more calling names and a lot more saying, oh, gosh, the Christians are terrible because of all these faulty reasons, but there's very little actually defending their own position. Please buy True Reason. I would encourage you all that are listening to go to Amazon.com and pick up True Reason. It's a phenomenal book, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Well, I hope you got a lot out of the first part of this show today. Next week, tune in for the second half of the interview with Chuck Edwards. And as you've listened, I hope you've realized yet again that true reason leads you to Jesus Christ. I say every week on this show that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And I'm more convinced than ever that that is the case. Jesus stands here today looking at you, arms wide open, saying that he loves you and that he desires to give you an eternity with him in heaven and a life of meaning, significance, and purpose here on this planet. Unfortunately, you and I are all sinners, and we are separated because of our sin from a perfect God. The Bible says that Jesus came and lived a perfect life on this earth as God in human flesh, and he died the death that we deserved on the cross, nailing our sins to the cross, so that all those who put their faith and trust in him could be saved and could be given this eternity with him in heaven and be adopted into his family even now here on this earth. If you're listening today and you're at a place where you're deciding that, yes, I want to take Jesus up on his offer and I want to put my trust in him, I would invite you to put your faith and trust in him right now and express that in prayer. You could say, Jesus, please 
Come into my life. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Please be my Savior and Lord. I pray you'll take that step if you haven't already. I would also like to invite you to continue growing in your walk with God by visiting a local church this morning. You can go to GodSolutionShow.com to see a list of local churches and the addresses and times that they meet. I hope you'll do that and that you'll visit some of those local churches in the next coming weeks and particularly one today. We'll also be meeting on campus this week in Noble Hall 125 at 6 p.m. That's our weekly meeting that we call Connect. I would love to see you at Connect. So come by Noble Hall 125 this Tuesday at 6 p.m. Show up a little early at 530 if you want to have pizza. It'll be a great time to grow in your walk with God with other students here on this campus if you are a student. And even if you're not a student, feel free to come by and join us. Well, you can get all the previous God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. This MP3 will be up this afternoon at GodSolutionShow.com. I would love to know what you think about the show, so please share your comments with me. And if you have any questions you'd like us to deal with on the show, please leave those questions as well, and we'll get to them on an upcoming show. Again, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And that's my greatest hope, that you'll find Jesus today if you haven't already. And if you already do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I hope that you'll take a strong stand on the evidence and that you'll walk with him more intimately and closely, following him and obeying him in every aspect of your life than ever before. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday. I'm not stronger, got you my heart.